And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the Internet now. Oh, sure. Next, you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. Seven fifty-five is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty is on the air now. Welcome back to Seven Fifty-Five is Real, presented by Tops. Check out Tops Project Seven. He's celebrating seventy years of Tops baseball cards. I'm David O'Brien, Braves writer for The Athletic, with my co-host Eric O'Flaherty, former Braves reliever. What's going on, Eric? What's up, Dave? Not much, man. A lot, considering there was an off day yesterday. I'm sitting around relaxing, going, ah, why don't I get some things done in the yard today, take care of some things, and then all of a sudden the Braves on Charlie Morton. Um, I thought my immediate reaction was smart move, oh, great yeah. move. That was a one-year deal, and um, – one-year deal for $20 million, which people were talking about. Oh, he's a great candidate for the qualifying offer. Well, the qualifying offer is going to be $18, 19000000 million. So, and uh, and you, you could have done that for sure. But I thought this was a good faith gesture. And it also, a big part of this is there's a $20 million option with no buyout. Alex is the master of these options with no buyouts, you know? Yeah. Maybe they're a little higher than the option would be with a buyout, but he has no buyout. So works out great for the team. I think he's real fair with these offers. Uh, That's a great deal for Charlie, too. It is a great deal for Charlie. Enough to say, you know what? I do want to come back. Yeah. So I can't leave $20 million on the table. And I really like this team. If he didn't like the team, if he right. wasn't having a great time this year and playing for a contender – I don't think he'd come back play for a team that has no chance of winning a World Series and a team that he doesn't really like going to work every day. He's, he's made enough money in his career, and his family's too important for him. I mean, he was yeah. ready to step away from it two years ago. Yeah, that, well, that's why you know that's why a deal like this makes so much sense at the point he's at because you know he's asking himself how much longer he wants to play. Mm-hmm. And even right. if if he wanted to retire after next year, they're not you know you can't force him to show up. So for him, it's. He can go home after next year, and he doesn't yep. feel like he's leaving all that money on the table or anything like that. But, you know, I mean, he looks great, but who knows how his body feels or what he's got to put into it to, to do what he's doing at this age. I think it's pretty amazing what he's doing. You would know better than I, but, uh, I mean, he'll be 38 in November. And this guy is throwing harder now. His average velo, fastball velo, is 95.5 this year. That's up from 93.4 last year. And it was 94-7 in 2019. 95-5, and we're you know, a month from the end of the season. I, I don't know how he does it. We're about the, the same spin, age. And yeah. the spin rate. Spin rate's extraordinary. I mean, it's elite, like off the charts. Yeah, and I think, you know, I think feel the spin rate for me makes sense because I think feel goes up as you, as you get older. You get more and more feel. You learn how to repeat it more and more, but – Guys that can maintain their velocity into their late thirties, you know. Yeah. I mean, just, I go yeah. play catch with my kids now. My arm's sore. He's he's throwing a hundred pitches. To, you know, your velo is down to about forty five now. I bet you if I got off a mound, I'm sitting high sixties, <laughs> letting it eat too. 
It's amazing. I mean, he keeps himself in terrific shape. You know, he's got uh, four kids and uh, he's, uh, you know, he's, he's a big dude, perfect body for pitching. And I think it also has to be noted that he had that, he had really unusual career and that it really took off in his mid thirties, you know, yeah. he, he, before he became an elite pitcher before that he was good, but he's always hurt and, he didn't have a bunch of seasons where he, you know, logged 170, 180 innings, 200. And he didn't have those. So he went like five, six years in the middle of what would have been his peak years for most pitchers where he was still finding his way. Yeah. So he's had a really unusual career. But I think as a result, he's probably got a lot more bullets in that arm than, than you know, if there's a theory that if you have so many bullets in your arm in a career, most guys do. Then in his case, you know, he preserved a lot of them un- involuntarily during those years where he was struggling or hurt. Yeah, and I think you can you can go get bullets. You know, you can add bullets. You go to the you, the training yeah. staffs now, the 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 strength coaches, and I'm not just talking lifting heavy weights and all that stuff. I'm talking right. the mobility, the recovery. That they have hyperbaric chambers in every clubhouse yeah. now. Like, there's so many ways. I think you, you can go get a lot more bullets than that saying came from guys who were playing in the 70s, right. 80s, 90s that. Yeah. They didn't have any of these things that, that to use now that guys do. So it's a they little just different. Went out and threw. <laughs> they just went out and threw. And it's like, you know, you hit 30 and you're just going out and throwing. You fall off a cliff pretty quick. But yeah. guys know a lot better how to maintain their bodies. So I'm sure, you know, and that's that's kind of what I'm saying is that you, it, who knows how much work he's having to put into it. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's not just the physical part of it, but the mental strain of finding a way to feel good every day is what usually beats guys down as they get older. Um, and he's got his family, you know, four kids at home is a lot of heat. Yeah. You know, a full family, them being close to home probably helps a lot, but that grinds you down too. Cause your wife's tired, you're traveling, you're away from your kids, you're missing mm-hmm. stuff. So who knows how much longer he wants to play, but I, that's why I think this is a great deal for him. Cause it's just a one year deal at a 20 mils a lot. You know, I, what did he get yeah. this year? Was it 10? 15. 15. So he got five more than, than last year. I mean, at the, 38. That, you know, I'll, I'll strap it on one more year. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's his peak earning. Yeah. At 38, most guys are on the downside, you know, at that yep. point, unless they signed a real long deal. Yeah. And most guys and, are selling for one-year deals for a third of that. Yep. And it works off. For, it works out for the team, too, because, you know, like we're talking about, at some point, he's going to run out of magic. Mm-hmm. And so they, they saw him all the way through to early September, said, yeah. we're not seeing any signs of of – anything to worry about you got your trainers looking at him working on him every day you know you know what he's complaining about you know what he's dealing with and if the guy's just rolling through it you know i mean it works out great for the team to think this is a great gamble that he's got another good year left in him if he happens to have another one we got an option on him so they'll be in the same position next year making the same choice yeah and it's perfect for a team with these young starters like they have because they've got enough guys who've who've got experience now and towing the water and they've seen and they have a good feel for who they've got um, and they got rid of kind of some of the fringe guys. But uh, when you can build next year around Freed and Anderson, and now you know you have Charlie, uh, and then you've got, you know, you've seen enough of Muller to feel good about his chances next year. Talk Davidson. Uh, I don't think you have to really go out and get another, nope. like this year they went out and signed uh, Smiley as well for yeah. $11 million. I don't think you have to do that next year mm-hmm. now. You can spend that money elsewhere. And you got Charlie to kind of, I mean, he is a sounding board. He is a fountain of advice for these guys. Yeah. I mean, he's one of those guys that not only knows everything, seen everything, but he's willing to share it. Yeah. Whereas some guys, you have to pull it out of their, you know, you have to extract it from them. 
all it takes, a guy can ask him about anything and he'll talk about anything. You know, he's not one of those guys that's like, I don't want to give away my secrets. He wants to share everything with his teammates. Guys like that suck. <laughs> There's not many of them. I mean, I think the point, when you get to that point in your career where you've seen all these shortcuts you could have taken and yeah. you're watching young yeah. guys struggle to get through, it's like, hey, man. There's a lot easier way to do this than than what you're trying. Like you, you want to pass that on and make it easier for them because it's such a hard game, and I think it's it's smart too because I think you know trying to fill three spots in that rotation, having three spots up for grab would be really tough because mm-hmm. there's a lot of inconsistency with young guys. And Charlie's just been an anchor. He, you know, I think he's been the most consistent. Where you feel like you know what you're getting out of him almost every time out all year, and. That's huge to have because it's huge to have one guy that you feel like is not going to fluctuate. And, and Freed's there, too. He just he has some blisters. He gets, you know, he has a rough start or had a, a you know, rough start to the year. But having a guy like Charlie where, like, you know, you have this long track record, they're pretty sure they know what they can count on from him. Now. Yeah. Yeah. And you're not filling in your rotation. You're, you're done with the top half. Yep. You're, you don't have to go out and find a guy for the top half where you're going to have yep. to spend to do that. You're trying to fill in the bottom, and you've got your candidates inside yep. that if they don't fall on the face, they they can handle that. So you yep. could go out and get a guy during spring training like they've done in the past to fill like that five spot like they've done, yep. you know, like Annabelle Sanchez, a guy like that, yep. which is a much better position than having to fill two spots in the rotation like they felt like they had to do this year with uh, yep. with him and Smiley. So yep. And you've, you're, you've seen everything about Charlie. You love everything about him. Now you don't have to worry about anything, and you know he can take care of that you know, rotation and the young guys and, and be there for him and all that. So he's, he's five, he's 10 years older than Max Freed. He's five years older than the next oldest start on the, on the team, which is Drew Smiley. But Charlie leads the team in Braves and starts with 26. He leads him in innings with 158, leads him in strikeouts with 185, which is impressive. 185 yeah. strikeouts and 158. Basically, if you're impressive, you can get a strikeout an inning, you know? Yeah. Um, Leads him in an ERA at three four seven. Besides Genoa, who's at three one nine in half as many games, leads him in wins with thirteen. Is tied for the fewest homers per nine innings among Braves starters with zero point nine. And I think this is probably the most, maybe the most important stat of all. In his last twenty starts, he's eleven and three with a two point nine five ERA, one eighty four opponents average, five fifty two opponents OPS. Last twenty starts. 141 yeah. strikeouts and 35 walks. So you're talking about four to one strikeouts to walk ratio in his last 20 starts after some rough outings early. Horse. Yeah. I mean, and I remember that was the thing we talked about in April was he kept having that one bad inning. Yep. Yep. And he doesn't have that now. That that conversation died down pretty quick. And he's going six innings, basically. He's not going eight or nine, but he's going like six almost every time out. And he went yep. seven, you know, the other day at Colorado, of all places, and pitched his ass off. Two hits at Colorado. So all signs are good. I mean, to point to to yeah, this is not a this is not a risk. I know it's always a risk at 37. There's gonna be some inherent risk, 38 next year. But this is about as low a risk as you could have for a 38-year-old pitcher. I mean that. And it's not a guy that's had any elbow or shoulder things either. Knock on wood again. <laughs> yeah. yeah so, I mean, well, I'd, I'd much rather sign him for 20 than too, too high risk at 10, you know, and hope one of them pans out. Because, he's he again, he's, he's just been an anchor all year. After yeah. that first month, I mean, he's just been – every time he's on the mound, you feel good about the, t- the team's chances. I, I, it was asked about uh, why do it now. And I thought it makes sense to do it now because – 
one, like Darno last month, you're taking care of two things that you'd have to do in the offseason. Now you can focus on Freddie. I don't know why that's not done yet, but I think Freddie's going to get done. Now you can focus, though. You don't have to, you're not going to be trying to do like three or four things at once. You got two big ones taken care of with Darno. That was huge, I thought, yeah. you know, as far as being a leader. You're, you want a catcher, experienced catcher. You don't want to have to worry about filling in a catcher of all spots. You don't the have catcher to catcher that rakes. Yeah, man. Uh, so you took care of that one last month. Now you took care of Charlie. Um, and I saw, I thought it made it was a good gesture to him, too, showed you how much you believe in him to do it now rather than wait to see if he's going to get hurt in the last month of the season or if he can carry it forward in the postseason and all that. You're saying, we believe in you so much, we want to bring you back for $20 million. And if he had any kind of hesitation, he wanted to wait until after it was over to decide whether he wanted to pitch next year. I think the Braves made a, a made a really uh, um, strong gesture by doing it now, saying this is how much we believe in you and want you back to do it now rather than wait. Oh, it's huge. And it's huge for him because he doesn't have to worry about falling on his face this month. Yeah. You know, that, that takes pressure off of that. You're going to pitch better when you're not worried about that. And if they want to go short rest in the postseason and you're going into free agency and the arm's hanging a little bit, you know, you can get it yeah. done. You got you got guaranteed money next year. True that. I didn't even think about that. Beat the crap out of me, you know, because that, that's the risk they're taking for him to, you know, to make him comfortable. And, and you yeah. reward him with throw me as much as you want. You want me to throw 120 pitches? If I'm rolling, you know, I mean, if it, 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 it's just, there's so much that goes into taking that pressure off a player that it's a huge gesture for him. I'm sure he's thrilled. Yeah. Especially a guy that's going to be, like I said, 38 in November. I mean, he doesn't have yeah. to worry. And he's got this reputation as big game Charlie. I mean, he's been the best postseason pitcher for the last five, six years. Now he doesn't have to worry about, you know, what have I fall on my face in a postseason? Are they still going to give me that con- Does it Is it going to be viewed as a sign that I'm falling off or whatever? He could just. Oh, they can find that. a sign anywhere, too. I mean, it could be one bad game yeah. or your velo can drop and it has nothing to do with your health and means nothing. Teams can ride that thing hard and, and be, you know, it, yeah. one a bad playoff stretch. All of a sudden, he's getting 10 mil next year. And a big part of him was he wanted to pitch close to home. I mean, his family, yeah. he doesn't want to move his kids around and all that during, during the season. So his, his wife and the kids live in Bradenton. Braves train, he he can stay at home, which is a yep. huge deal for players with kids at spring oh. training. When they can live at home and drive 30 minutes to the ballpark each day, then he does that at spring training. So it's a very limited number of teams that would offer that that luxury. Very limited. Yeah. One of those is the Rays. And if the Braves had waited till after the World Series to make him an offer, the Rays might have said, you know, because they kind of regretted not picking up his option. They might have stepped yeah. forward and made uh, a similar offer for one year for next year. You know, they loved having him on their team. So, you know, Braves kind of nipped that in the bud because, I mean, the Rays are even more convenient to him because he can live at home yeah. all season. Yeah. That's a pretty well, big and, deal. Man, you go on a four-day trip with your kids, you take the whole house. Yeah. I mean, that's that's my big pet peeve when my wife wants to plan a trip is just getting everything there that you have to take. You know, you got babies. They have all these gadgets and cribs and stuff they need. You know, you, it's like you can't get a big enough car to go on a four-day road trip. So you think about packing for 45 days, yeah. moving your family to a, to a you know, whatever apartment or condo or house you can find in spring training, getting all that stuff back home and then going somewhere else for the season. I mean, that's, that's probably the biggest thing for a lot of players is what a pain in the ass it becomes to travel and, and take these four, three, however many kids you got, these little people with you yeah. that have all this stuff with them, you know, and and deal with all that. His wife's got her set up at home. I mean, that's that's probably huge for him. 
And then the chances of uh, also was asked, what are the chances they pick up the option? I think that kind of depends entirely on how he pitches and how the rest of the staff pitches next year. Yeah. I mean, if you have guys like, say, a couple more guys step up next year, say um, uh, Muller really comes into his own, pitches his ass off, and uh, and Davidson pitches his ass off, you know, then if you've got like four or five guys, you might say, you know, we could use that $20 million for something else. Charlie, we'd love to have you here, but, uh, you know, You've fallen off a little bit, and you know, and, and Charlie's like, I understand, I'm going home. <laughs> so, yeah. but to have that that option of being able to pick that up if he pitches again like he did this year, you know, that's a, just a win win for both sides. Yeah, I mean, there's there's going to be no hurt feelings either way, but that definitely a nice, just a solid gesture, just to get it done now and and tell him we want you back. I mean, I mean you're just gonna you're going to be even more attached to the group and pitching with even more passion now in the postseason. Eric, let's hear from today's sponsors. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Importance to the to the team is not just in a rotation, too. This is a guy that other guys on the team have all yeah. have all gotten it gone to for advice from how to they talk to him about life. I mean, this guy is really level-headed mature guy that uh, you'd never know he's a baseball player if you didn't know him if you didn't know what he what he looked like or whatever and uh and you just wanted to uh and you just you met him at a at at the grocery store you'd never know i mean other than him being a tall guy and going wow it looks like he looks athletic because he is the most normal down-to-earth guy you could ever meet i mean there's nothing pretentious about this guy absolutely nothing and he's really thoughtful and interesting to talk to He's really, I mean, guys like uh, Dansby has raved about, said, I just love being around him. I love talking to him every day. You love seeing his face in the clubhouse and going up and talking to him about yeah. everything, not just baseball. Well, and you know, that he baseball will humble you. You know, people are usually shocked when you're a baseball player and they meet you and you're down to earth. But it's like, dude, this game ate me alive. But me personally, the last two years of my career, but uh, Charlie got humbled early. You know, yeah. he he went through that grind early and got his ass kicked. And I think that's just something that when you go through that and, and it humbles you like that, you never are going to yeah. get too high on yourself again. You're going to understand I'm just good at one thing in life. You know, you get out in the real world, <laughs> that skill doesn't really matter anymore once you're retired. So it's just, I'm sure he's approachable and easy to talk to. He, he was a good dude even when we were teammates back in the day. He's yeah. always kind of been the same. But that's why that, you know, that humbling, <laughs> getting your ass kicked on a baseball field, there's there's not a lot of things that feel like that. Yeah, I think all of his struggles early in his career and everything has has went into molding what he has become. You know, because yeah. a clubhouse guy and all that, and so it's made him he's he's better for it. You know. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, he could have had a better career if he had started, you know, excelling early and made a lot more money. But man, he, he wouldn't be the guy that he is now if right. everything had come easy for him and he didn't have a lot of setbacks, repeated setbacks of all kinds. <laughs> That's so, why, you know, the Hall of Famers sometimes aren't as relatable. Yeah. <laughs> They've just rolled through the career and I'm just better than everybody all the time. You know, I mean, yeah. it doesn't, doesn't give you the best perspective. Uh, this, I had a good quote from Dansby last week when he pitched at Colorado. Uh, Dansby afterwards said, He's been phenomenal for us all year. You know what to expect from him every time he goes out there. I've said it before, what he's able to do at this stage of his career and at his age, like it can't be overstated just how impressive it is and how he continues to seem like he's building momentum to get even better, which is really, really impressive. And on top of that, he's a joy to be around. So I'm thankful for all of it. That's what Dansby said about him. It's not a tough sell. Yeah. Um, Braves. Okay, they go, they go through that stretch. They had the run that everybody – they had talked about for months and were like, okay, but when are you going to finally do it? You've talked about it for three months. Well, yeah. they did it. They had a nine-game winning streak. They went, uh, what, 16-2, and two, I think it was. And they had a 13-game road winning streak. Well, all that came crashing down, which we thought it might, you know, at Dodger Stadium uh, and on that road trip because it was a really tough road trip. Uh, people looked at – People just looked at those who just looked at the Rockies overall record thought oh, it's the Rockies. You know, they're next to last place. They suck. They're a totally different <laughs> team at Coors Field, man. Yeah. They, they, they are an elite team at Coors Field. Their record is like second or third best uh, second in the national league. And one of the four best in the major. So you can't just dismiss that We're we're a hundred and some games into the season. They are what they are. They yeah. suck on the road and they are good at Coors Field. So yep. I thought the Braves, after getting their butts kicked at uh, at, at Dodger Stadium, even though those two one-run games, they still Dodgers handled them. They got swept there. I thought that was pretty impressive to come back and win two out uh, to split four yeah. games at Coors Field, and to win on the last day was huge. I thought to win the way they did, finally after five straight one-run games to win nine-two and get four home runs. I mean, it's an unfortunate road trip the way it's lined up. But even if if you were going and playing any other team before the Rockies, you know, you go into Colorado yeah, and you split a four game set. I think yeah. any team's happy with that. I mean, your goal when you first go in there is just to get out in one piece. Yeah. I think teams, you know, teams at the NL West that are used to going in and playing. So if the Dodgers went and played a four game set, they might feel pretty good about three and, you know, splitting might be a disappointment. But when you go there once a year, you know, I, I remember somebody was asking me, you know, what Ian Anderson was doing. Is he throwing cutters or, or his fastball looks different tonight? It's just, dude, yeah. the ball just does weird stuff there. It's a different place. It's different for everybody. You run, you're out of breath after 30 seconds. You yeah. know, when you if you could normally run a mile and feel pretty good about it, you run a quarter mile and you're gassed for some reason. So everybody just feels different. Your body feels different. You sleep different. It's just a tough place to go and a tough place to play. You know, outfielders aren't used to having to cover that much ground and play that deep and come in on balls. It's just a nightmare of a place to play. So I think, you know, if if they hadn't got swept by the Dodgers, if they'd taken one from the Dodgers, you'd feel a lot better about the road trip. But either way, that's a tough place to go. And you split with Colorado, you know, you're still fine. Yeah, and even though they use the humidor, when balls are outside for a while, they're going to get dry and feel different. I mean, they're not just they're not going to feel the same as they do in humidity, you know, and. Ian said, you know, he just really but didn't have hardly anything, any of his yeah. pitches, you know, and, and, and that's the first time. He didn't have the changeup, which is huge for him. Without the changeup, he's not going to be the same pitcher. Yep. So, 
Yeah, he struggled, and and uh, you could see what Enoa uh, gasping out there early on. You I'm know? telling you, man. Uh, people it's that haven't different. been up there, I mean, you if you try to go out and just jog outside at, at Denver, the first time you do it, you're like, you feel like, oh my God, have I got emphysema? You know, because you just can't, you, you cannot, you can't overstate how big a factor mile high altitude is on athletic performance. Well, it's like even pitchers running, you know, it's like, all right, you're running today is 10 poles. Yeah. Like you, they tell you 10 poles, you're like, you just cruise through it. This is nothing. You don't even feel like you got a workout in. You want, you do one pole. That's just foul pole to foul pole on the warning yeah. track. You run one of those in Colorado and you are gassed. You're like, what's wrong with me? You're asking the, the strength coach, can I just run half poles or three quarters? Yeah. It just, it's just a different beast. But, you know, I think Charlie did well because he knew what to, what to expect and he's been through there. But the ball just does weird stuff. I think the guy that – I think it's Lance Lynn always pitches well there and he throws one-seamers yeah. right down the middle. And he yep. – some of them cut, some of them rise, some of them dart down. And he just aims middle of the plate. He doesn't even bother with his other pitches – and he normally does pretty well there because it's unpredictable, but he's just letting that unpredictability kind of work in his favor. Yeah, guys that keep it simple and don't have a, you know two or three pitches seem to be do a lot better there. Than, it's, and it's hard to predict, too. I mean, Tom Glavin threw a, a – what, he had a one-hitter there, a shutout? I mean, he had an incredible game there one time. I saw Pat Rapp come within. Uh, Kurt Abbott missed a bloop behind short. Otherwise, Pat Rapp would have thrown a no-hitter at Coors Field. Pat Rapp. So it's like it's hard to predict what's going to happen, man, when guys yeah. go out there. Uh, the twilight zone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's why it's why when somebody excels there, a Rockies pitcher for a whole season is home like this year with uh, uh, what's his name? Stats at, at Coors Field are uh, terrific this year. You got It's like tip of the cap, man. You know, yeah. if you could do it for a whole year there. Um Hey, I had I had one more quote I, I thought was really good on Darno. Asked him, and uh, this was this weekend. Asked him about working with uh, with Charlie. What's it like working with Charlie? And he said, after Charlie's two hitter, he said, "I love it. He thinks of everything, every situation. He understands what a game plan is, but also at the same time understands when he has to wing it if he doesn't have a certain pitch, and he's able to execute in that situation as well." Said, I don't think any moment is too big for him. He's himself all the time. He's fun to be around, and whenever we need him, he always shows up. So, just another testament to Charlie Morton and what makes him kind of special. That's why he's still playing. Yep. Um, and why, if uh, when he wants to, I don't know with the kids, it's going to be a while, probably like Chipper. But if he wants to, oh, there are teams lining up for yep. wanting him to coach. You know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's going to get offers as soon as he announces he's done. Somebody call him the next day. Yeah. I don't think he talks fast enough to be a broadcaster. He's like a really thoughtful guy. You talk to him, and he sits there and thinks about each question and gives you this great response, but he doesn't talk at, at that speed necessary for broadcaster. I like but that, though. He's really good with it. I mean, his quotes are, wow, you come away going, that was really good. But he talks at length, and it's a it's a slow cadence. I like to see. I think it's Mulder. Um, somebody's doing it for the Cardinals. I've uh -huh. heard him a few times. I think it's Mark Mulder. But I mean, he just—it's like the most calm, just little background comments every time. But it's always really good. So I think for really, you know, enthusiastic fans, it, it might not be the best. You know, if you're trying to get people amped up about the game, but when it's right. something really thoughtful that I didn't think of, I'm like, damn, that was a pretty good point. I, I like those guys. Yeah. Um, other thing that was big this weekend. Uh, 
Ozzy Albies, he only missed two starts after yeah, fouling yeah. a ball off his knee. And when he did it, it looked like he broke the kneecap because he had to be carried off the field. And you're thinking, oh my God, he, it was flush with the kneecap and it was a, it was a uh, fastball that he barely tipped. So, you know, it's basically, it was uh, a Bueller, Walker Bueller fastball, 96. So, and it was flush with the knee and you thought, oh my God, he shattered his, his uh, kneecap. You know, he's, he's done for the year and for the playoffs. I mean, that was the immediate thought when he went down and, yeah. up, and they had two trainers that had to literally carry him off the field. He only missed two starts. He comes back, homers on the second pitch he sees in the first game back on Friday, then homers again Saturday, and then Sunday he homers on the first pitch of the game from this kid making his oh, debut man. that the Rockies brought from Double A. First pitch of the guy's career, Ozzy hits it out to center. Welcome to the show, bud. <laughs> <laughs> nothing will nothing will knock your confidence off a cliff like the first ball you throw goes God. over the fence. I can't even and imagine. And you're pitching in course. <laughs> What's that kid thinking, man? I, that happened to me. I didn't give up a homer, but Mark Kotze laced a double the first pitch I threw. I mean, you just you you know Brian you think you're going to get a free strike, and he just raked it off the wall. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. I mean, it just kick you kick into gear real quick. Like, all right, these yeah. guys aren't playing around. Ryan Feltner's his name, the right-hander. I'm sure he's thinking, you know, all right, calm down, throw a strike, let's get, you know, just yeah. throw a good, good first pitch. And he's like, Ozzy's like ready to. He Everybody told cooperate. me it's the same game. Every veteran I talk to, they say it's the same game up here. Stick to your game plan. He's like, trust your stuff. Triple A, I got it over as a free strike. The thing's twenty rows deep. What's going on up here? I trusted my stuff, and that five foot seven dude hit it four hundred thirty feet. What the yeah. hell, man? Yeah, I don't think you, that's a quick way to lose trust in your stuff. <laughs> so, in a process of homer in three straight games, Ozzy went over twenty five home runs. He's at twenty career high twenty six now. Made the Braves infield. Just the second in MLB history to have all four guys with 25 or more homers, which I think is kind of stunning that nobody has done, else has done that. Like, I think of some of those Dodger teams, yeah. you know, with Garvey and Say and those guys, and you thought, God, didn't they do that every year? No, they didn't. Nobody's ever done it. The 2008 Marlins of all teams were the teams that did it. And there was one on there does not – Mike Jacobs. He was, like, a, good for, like, a year maybe. Yep. But he was on that. He had 32. Uggs, Dan Ugla had 32. Hanley, Hanley Ramirez had 33. Okay, no surprises except for Jacobs. Cantu, Jorge Cantu had yep. 29. So they were within one homer of having 30 guys, uh, four guys do 30 homers. So, um, but that's the only team that's done it until now. And I think this Braves team has a really good shot, if everybody stays healthy, of being a first with four guys get 30. Oof. Yeah. Because Austin Riley hits his thirty, his 29th homer on Sunday, career high. Raised his career best total to 87 RBIs, by the way. Dansby has a career high 26. He's got a career high 80 yeah, RBIs. And Freddie has 28. So you got 20, 26, 26, 28, and 29. And Dansby and Ozzy are certainly capable of hitting four homers between them, yeah, each of them. Uh, How many games what? they got left? Well, we got uh, One, two, 20, about 21, is it? I should know that. Yeah, I'm they looking could do at, that. I'm looking at the schedule. You got you got a six-game, nine-game homestand, and then Same you've got a nine-game, 10-game road trip, 19. Yeah, you got 25 games left. Oh, they can do it. That'd be cool. 26 games left. Yeah. 
So barring injury, I think all, all of them are going to do it. That'd be pretty cool to have four guys hit 30. And and at least three of them are going to have I have a real good shot at 100 RBIs. Yeah. That's kind of pushing it. Dan's got 80, so that's pushing it. But, man, how impressive would that be? Uh, they could all get four, get 90. Freddie's his has the lowest RBI total of the bunch, which I would have never believed if you had told me before the season. Um and additionally, Ozzy and Dansby are just the fifth pair of middle infield teammates to have at least 25 in a season. It's only been five times. Ever? Five different uh, – four different sets have done it. They're the fifth. Uggs and Hanley did it twice. They're the only ones to do it back-to-back seasons, 07 and 08. Man, Dan, Dan was the man back then, man. <laughs> he was setting all kinds of records for home runs for uh, second base. Second base, yeah. To start a career. And he'd been a Rule 5 guy, too. Yep. Drop that helicopter on you. The forearms. <laughs> Man, those forearms. Um, l- let me ask you about uh, how much do, do players care about uh, – how much credence do you or, or importance do you put on runs scored? Because Freddie Freeman leads a league-high 101 runs scored this year, and no other NL player has more than 90. It's not nothing. No. You know, I, I mean, I think that, you know, you're as a, as a three- or four-hole hitter, you're looking at, I'd say – you know, I know that's probably changed now because you're going to say it's opportunity and whatnot. But I right, think most team stat. most middle of the lineup guys are looking at RBIs, yeah, you know, home runs. I still care about their average. It's up there on the scoreboard, regardless of if it's a way you get analyzed or not. But yeah. I, I think RBI is a big one for middle of the lineup guys. But runs scored too. You know, I mean, if they're not going to pitch to Freddie, takes his walk and Riley yeah. hits a double. You know, I mean, you, he gets credit for taking that walk and and not trying to do too much. I don't, I don't think it's one that he's going to hang his hat on, but I right. think it's it feels good. Well, you generate runs. It was an important one for his mentor, Chipper. You know, Chipper's yep. old school as they come. Chipper, I know, always wanted to score 100, drive in 100, and also not strike out 100, which has gone by the wayside these days, but he yeah. never did. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, if you can score 100 runs and drive in 100, you're doing some work, man. Oh, yeah, 200. And he's got a chance to do something else. Freddie's got a chance to be the first first baseman since Albert Pujols in 09 and, and 10 with the Cardinals. First first baseman to lead the NL and run scored back-to-back seasons. Pretty good that company. Was, that was when Pujols was the man. Yeah. That's, that's really good company. Guys, let's take a quick break, and then we'll finish up the show. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. 
Do you put Pujols and Miggy, the best right-handed hitters you've seen? In their in their prime? Yeah. 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 I mean, last 25 years. It's, last- it's so weird, man, because everybody sees them now, and you don't want to give them credit for who they were 10 years ago, but... Yeah. You know, it'll be Trout one day. Nobody will, nobody will think Trout was, you know, it's about the newest guy, but it'll be Trout someday. Nobody will really fully grasp, you know, what a guy he is and and what a presence he is. But the, if you look at the numbers Pujols was putting up in his prime years in St. Louis. Did it for over a decade. Yeah. He had and one same of with the greatest Miggy. decade. Yeah, same with Miggy. Miggy was fucking phenomenal. Yeah. Trout's got to do it, I think, a couple more years. But, yeah, you're right. He'll be right there. Um yeah, I mean, Bonds is obviously lefty in a different category with the steroids, but Bonds was the best player in the game before he did the steroids. So yeah. it's, it just makes it hard. To, that's what also pisses me off about Bonds is he makes it so yeah. hard to evaluate Can't give him. Credit. Yeah, it makes yeah. him hard to evaluate him when you're doing, you're having your best years, you're almost 40, or when he was 40, his late 30s, yeah. he's doing ridiculous things, you know? Come on. Well, that's, but that's what happens in your careers. You know, you get smarter and your ability kind of. Right. And you off. add the steroids and so yeah. you start here and you, you're getting your abilities dropping, but you're getting smarter. They kind of meet in the middle and that's your prime. And the steroids just keep you. You inject <laughs> steroids into that equation. It's like, whoa, yeah. here we go. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's like Charlie. Charlie, Charlie's ability. He's just been able to maintain it. Now you're seeing what he's able to do. Because of everything he's learned, you know, you, there's only a small window where you're able to apply everything you've learned and your body yeah. still cooperates. Right. And the steroids just extend that window where the body's, you know, it's, it's game now and it'll do it. That's a great and way. You have putting all it, yeah. this knowledge and you're able to put up those numbers. You have that five year window that they that a lot of voters look for with Hall of Famers. Yep. That five year window where you one of the best players to ever play the game, you know, and you look at a, your best five year window. You know, and that's where your guys like Koufax got in, even yep. though he didn't have the long career because he got hurt. But he had a five-year window where he was the best pitcher in the world. You know, yeah. I mean, it takes so much time to accumulate that knowledge, and then you have a small window to apply it before your body breaks down. Yeah, like you look at Chipper had you know six, seven years there, where I mean, he was playing every day too. People forget because yep. he was hurt so much at the end of his career. People forget Chipper played 160, 162 games like every year yep. for a long time. So did Andrew. You know? And they didn't see Chipper walking in around the clubhouse in his shower shoes at three o'clock and right. looked like it hurt to sit down and stand up. And he was still playing a lot. Yeah. Uh, he, he, and the reason he was still able to, what, he hit 300 in his late 30s, right? Well, he won a batting title. He won title. the batting title in his, in his late 30s. Yeah, mid, mid late you know? 30s. I mean, yeah. that's him just being able to drag his body out there. And he's got so much knowledge and he's such a smart hitter. He can win a batting title. You yeah. Know? Without taking BP hardly ever. Yep. <laughs> Not working out. I mean, he just, he couldn't, he couldn't, uh, he couldn't yeah. waste any energy. Yeah. Yeah. It was something to watch him at the end, man. But he had, Miggy had a, Miggy hit a home run the other day. I told Chipper this the other day. I said, Miggy hit that. I think it was his 500th homer. He hit it the way Chipper, I remember Chipper hitting a couple late at the very end of his career where the swing, you're like, that's not a home run swing. It's like, it's, it's not even that fast. And he backspins the ball. And Miggy hits backspin ball, hits an opposite field or to right center. And it was like it just kept going. And the swing, yep. you look at the swing, you're like, is that a home run swing? But Chipper did the same thing at the end of his career. He was able to just backspin a ball. It would just carry and carry and carry. In pitcher's parks. You know, think yeah. how many more Chipper had if he played somewhere else. Or, I mean, Comerica, before they moved the fences in, was a 
Huge. Was way bigger, you know, and, and maybe flips balls out of there. He's done it his whole career. Yeah. Yeah, he's pretty phenomenal. He's going to go down as top, one of the top ten hitters, I think. Definitely in this era. I mean, he's top top five this era, top three. It'd be hard to pick between prime Pujols and prime Miggy. Yep. Pujols, Miggy, Barry Bonds, Trout. I mean, we're seeing some, you know, and then this younger generation, obviously, they got to do it for a while, but they have, the, they have the capability of having a couple, three guys in there from this younger generation, too, before it's all said and done. But you got to do it for a decade, you know? You can't do it for five years. Right. You got to keep Do you think Joey Votto's it. a Hall of Famer? He's this season, I think, has really revived his chances. I mean, because he, like he's changed himself. I got yeah. all the respect in the world for what he's done this year and decided he's going to hit for power and what he's doing. You know, I, I, I did, I thought he was maybe, he was probably going to get in anyway. But I think this year, if he does this for another year or so, he's, yeah. slant, he's first ballot, you know? Yeah, but he's, that's what I tell people, he's probably the toughest lefty I've ever faced. You know, just because he stays in on the slider, he can hit you out to left field. You make a mistake inside, he'll pull it out. Just, yeah. just the most the all around toughest lefty that whenever he was in the lineup, it's like, I'd like to avoid that guy. You know, yeah. you're watching that lineup turn over and you're in the pen warming up. You know, I'd, I'd rather avoid that battle because you know it's going to be a tough one. And he's another guy that's what you were talking about is putting that knowledge to use. It's like he's. Yeah. He's able to change his swing, and all of a sudden, it's like, okay, this team needs power, or I'm going to hit for power instead of you know having a 450 on base percentage. He's going to hit some bombs, and he's doing it. I mean, well, he got criticized for that forever. Yeah, he did for taking too many, you know, taking a walk when he should have been driving in runs for that money he was making. I know yeah. he got drew a lot of criticism for that. He didn't let it affect him though. You know, he's no, not, he's he not going to change. He's not going to give in. Changed his mind, I guess. I mean, I, I think that was when he hit those. It was like seven or eight homers in a row games in a row you know yeah. with a homer or something like that when he did it this year they asked him what he changed and he he's kind of like he keeps a lot to himself but he kind of just said yeah i just decided i want to hit for power again that's pretty amazing what he's done yeah with, with changing the the swing he's changed his swing yeah and he's not rolling over his wrist somebody showed it the other day he's not you know he's changed the whole thing with the emphasis on Hidden for power. And most guys, if they tried to do that in the middle of the season, would be lost. <laughs> yeah. It's a terrible season for them. But he's like five more homers and bat 200. Yeah. He's he's impressive, man. Joe, that was impressive. Really, and another really thoughtful player. God, he's smart. Yeah. yeah. So, all right. Well, this is going to be a big week. The Braves, uh, they have, they, they go, what, after the nine game winning streak, a 13 game uh, road winning streak, they went during that brutal stretch. They went four and eight. So their lead's down to a game and a half over the Phillies. Harper's playing great for the Phillies. They're, they're playing a good ball. And the Mets, we wrote them off, but they're only four back. I mean, I don't think they're a I threat, know. but they're only four back. So um, All they had to do is flip off their fans or whatever they did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Alderson, Alderson with the come to Jesus meeting, I think. But – so it's going to be an interesting race. And the Phillies, we've talked about how easy their schedule is. They're really making the most of that. And the Braves had that brutal stretch of their schedule. They got through it. I mean, not as good as you as as they would hope. But they also didn't, you know, they went four and eight. They could have been, you know, two and ten during that stretch. I mean, that, that road was trip brutal. could have been one and seven or yeah. one and six, you know. Yeah. I mean. And yeah, that, that was preceded by those two games against the, the Yankees, too, who were playing at the time and won what they on, the way, to, on yeah. the way to win it 13 in a row. So 
Now they got some, you know, they got a chance to really kind of catch their breath. They can't take the foot off the gas because this is, they got to make the most of this homestand. This homestand. Yeah, that's three against the Nationals who were on fumes, three against Miami, which is, you know, a shell of what they were, you know, since the trade deadline. And then three at home against Colorado, which, as I said earlier, sucks on the road. So you got nine yep. games on this homestand. You need to go like seven and two on this homestand. I know it's hard to sweep anybody, but they really look at realistically six and three minimum. But I think you need to go seven and two or better on this homestand. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, a couple they could, of games they on could, the Phillies. They could get some breathing room for sure with a good homestand. Because when you look at it, at what you got coming up after that, why you got to go at least seven and two on this homestand, I think you got Giants, D backs. Padres road trip, which is really unusual to have a long trip on the West Coast like that at the end of the season for the Braves. But that's who you got. Yeah. Giants and, then and after Padres. That, then you come home and play Philly on fumes. Yep. And the Giants and Padres are obviously really good at home. So those are going to be two cauldrons there. Those two teams are playing for their playoff berths uh, yeah. or the division title in the Giants case. Um, so they're going to be jacked. And we saw Arizona sweep the Phillies at home two weeks ago. It, so that, as bad that as Arizona like is, Coors Field light. It's it, there's a lot can go wrong in that stadium too. Yeah, yeah, Hitters Park. So so you can't look past that. You know, look for Giants and Padres on both ends of that trip. You got a, four games in the middle against the D backs, so you cannot afford to stumble because you end the season at home against the Phillies and Mets, six games. And you don't want it to come down to those, you know, but it could. Yeah, I mean, it probably. Yeah, I mean. I would say the Philly series is more likely to be the big one. Yeah. But even the Mets, you know, if they're if they're Mets trying to squeeze spoiler. Back, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna be hating on you. If yeah. you know, if you need those wins, they're gonna play hard even if they're out of it. Yeah. So interesting. It's gonna be a really, really fun September, I think. Interesting to watch. So a lot of good races and uh none better than the NL East. So that's it. Seven fifty five is real and we are out. We'll talk to y'all later. Peace.